Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's the beauty of December. Right now, people at the BWI message board are asking Sean Fitz and Ryan Snyder, hey, anything going on with blank person yet? Hey, what's going on with this? I'm doing the same thing, too. So we're going to ask Ryan Snyder together, hey, what's going on with, like, Daniel Harris and all that stuff? That's coming up on the BWI Daily Edition. (music) Nothing like a good flail on the graphics to start the show. Ryan Snyder with us. Happy Friday, Ryan. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Counting down the days to December 21. It has only been a week, but it has sucked, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. No, I mean, it's a good week for the site. Good, you know, yeah. fun, but just I'm tired. It's only yeah. been a week. So, yeah, there's been though. a lot of uh, there's been a lot of stuff, even though there hasn't been a lot of stuff, it feels like. So uh, this is the perfect time of year. We're going to start out with this today on the Daily Edition, which is subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Like I have poured my heart and soul into the Daily Edition. But if you want to get inside information as it's happening, the only place you can get it is bluewhiteillustrated.com on the Lion's Den message forum. Even before it gets into the premium content, uh, Ryan and and Fitz are all over everything. They're giving you the information on the message board. So if you want to know about the future of Penn State football with NIL and with the transfer portal and with recruiting and everything else, that is the hub of information. You want to be one of the smart people in your friend group about Penn State football. Now's the time to sign up $10 for the next 10 months. Great deal. Also, subscribe to the channel because if, you, if, you're, if that's a step too far, then check out the channel. Subscribe, watch the videos. You'll get hooked. You'll be in the lion's den before you know it. Uh, so, Ryan, let's go over some of the things that we've talked about lately and some updates or not updates from Tuesday's recruiting show because I know off the bat we are now on Daniel Harris watch so what's going on there Daniel Harris was to commit yesterday I mean he didn't so here we are yeah you know 24 hours later and not really I'd say more like 12 13 15 hours later from what we were expecting no decision yet uh we we will get into where the coaches are and stuff this weekend I will say right off the bat they are down there visiting with the family today so let's see if things change. You know, uh, it's not often where I have what I would consider probably my best source say, it's done, it's back to 50-50, it's done, and it's back to 50-50. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've ever had that where I have, you know, four roller coasters within a week. Uh, usually when it's done, it's done. So... I'd be lying if I said I have a, an amazing feel at the moment, and I don't think anyone really does. I will say that Georgia supposedly said that they were going to be done with this one. Uh, that that you know, coming from our our Georgia colleagues and coming from Penn State sources, there was multiple indications that Georgia was done, and now here we are. 
and I don't think George is done. <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I wonder if there's a third school. I wonder if Miami is getting involved with this as well. Miami is unabashedly throwing around money right now that uh, I would call stupid money. So I, I wonder there. I don't know, and I want to clarify that, but I do wonder if that's part of it. And, uh, yeah, Penn State is doing everything it can to lock him down. I, I feel confident in saying that, uh, you know, the the, the player uh, was co- planning to commit to Penn State earlier this week, and, and it seemed like mom is on board as well. But, uh, you know, something is holding this up. So we – it's what, you know – pretty much noon on Friday where we're, we're, we're taping this. Yeah. I would think that there's a real chance that we could get some answers over the weekend, but uh, I expected an answer yesterday and here we are. And we don't have one. So again, subscribe to bluewhiteillustrated.com so you get the latest up to date information. Cause it sounds like this one's just going to happen when it happens. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a very, it, it's, it's a very, important isn't the right word because it is an important one but you know with the way the class and the dbs have stacked so far penn state is already good but those over the top players this is what we talked about whether it's samson oaken lola if they had an outside shot with him uh, these are the players that there's they're going to find room for so this is the first mm-hmm. one of those that we're talking about right well oh, for sure yeah and i mean look it, it it's should be noted that miami is pursuing conrad hussey and and whether he visits or whatever happens there, we'll see. You know, again, I mentioned Penn State's uh, coaches on the road. They are going to St. Thomas Aquinas tonight. Aquinas has a playoff game. They'll be at the school today. I mean, there's a whole handful of coaches in South Florida, which we'll discuss in a bit. But uh, they, they are going to have to stay on him pretty hard, uh, Conrad, of course. And it's uh, I'll be very interested to see if he goes and, and, and visits Miami. Uh, I, I would, since he lives down there, I would be kind of surprised if he doesn't. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but this is certainly a plus one situation with Daniel Harris. Uh, he is, he would instantly become the, the, the top ranked uh, defensive back in this class. You look at his size, 62175. You look at that documented, I think it was a 10, 700 yeah. meter. Uh, th- there's a lot here that, that stacks up really well. Our, our guys compare him to Dominique Rogers, Kamari, uh, Kamardi, a great, great yep. player, of course, for the Cardinals all those years. Of course, he, he very similar to Joey Porter Jr. That's been Penn State sell with, with Daniel yep. Harris. So there's 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 a reason to go all out for this one. Um, but when that answer, when that uh, you know final commitment or whatever it may be is going to come, again, I I was fully ready for it to come yesterday, and then it was really I'll be honest with you, Wednesday night. We got the news that this was probably not going to come yesterday, but it it's, it's like I said, just been up and down and up and down for a week now. So I wasn't shocked yesterday that he didn't come because I was tipped off Wednesday night that it probably wouldn't happen. Uh, but but here we are now. Friday, Penn State's down there visiting with the family. Maybe that'll that'll help push things uh, in the right direction. But but Georgia certainly seems to not be out of it after we were told they were. So yeah, here we are. Uh, so that's another, <laughs> I'm going to do it again. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Subscribe here to the YouTube channel. So when the news breaks, we'll have the information ready to go for you. So you understand the, the de- in-depth timeline. You're getting bits and pieces of it throughout the daily edition and, and the recruiting show, but we'll lay it all out for you. We'll give the information on what Penn State is getting. We'll give you a brief analysis of what he is as a football player. And then, uh, you'll be up to date here on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, so a good time to subscribe for the holiday season. Cause you're going to be busy and you just need that little bloop on your phone and you'll see that the, uh, 
breaking news has broken. Let's move on to Duke Watson. Tell me who that is and why Penn State fans should be aware of Duke Watson. Yeah, good, really good 2024 running back out of Georgia. Penn State only offered two weeks ago, and things have moved really, really fast here. But he's a player that I think has serious interest in potentially committing to Penn State in the near future. Uh, what I will say is that I know Mike Yurchich is down there today. I feel like I should just go through all the coach visits because we're just <laughs> hitting on them constantly. But uh, we will, I yeah. promise. Uh, Mike Yurchich is down there today. He's down there checking up on a few guys. And Watson is one of the guys he will check up on. So that's interesting. Uh, Watson put out a tweet this week that he wants to commit soon. And then, oh, by the way, watch this, watch this jump set. Some of these things right here. This is yeah. this is the Sean McCoy, guys. The, I mean, he's so similar to the Sean McCoy. It's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, silly or... or, or I don't know how what the right the way what the right word is, but just look at the way he carries the ball. Look at the way his jump cuts are. Uh, there's so many similarities to to Shady, who, by the way, used to torch me back in the day as a young linebacker at Central Dolphin. It was it was it was sad, but uh, I, I think to get back to the point here, though, I think Penn State has is going to have a decision to make because he wants to decide. He want I think he wants to commit soon, but the issue is is he hasn't visited yet. This has all been yeah. within a matter of a couple weeks, but but you're in the dilemma of. Well, if you kind of say no and hold off, you're probably not going to get this opportunity again. But so if you accept it, what's if the reason to it, hold, hold off? If, okay. if you accept it, you know that he is going to get other offers, and this isn't really probably going to be truly finished. So, okay. but the reason the reason to hold off is just because you know what's coming. I mean, you you look at his offers list now. I mean, there, there's some there's some good schools on there, but. You know these SEC schools are going to come at some point. I mean, everybody's trying to focus on 2023, and there's all this NIL money getting thrown around that it's it's extra incentive this year to really make sure you put all your focus these next three weeks on 2023. Uh, so that's why he doesn't, I think, have some of the offers that he's going to get. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's Auburn circling, Florida State circling. Uh, he's been to Tennessee, I believe it is. Like these big schools are very interested. He just doesn't have the offers yet, but they're going to come at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's because that's that's the reason to ask that question is, you look at that tape, and I know that we're looking at highlights. We're not looking at the full thing, but six foot one eighty five, and you're comparing him to Lashawn McCoy, and he's a big back in in some senses, like of his potential. So it's 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 an amazing profile when you look at it you know without the testing numbers and all that stuff but just the on-field speed the on-field moves and all that stuff it is it is good to know like the well why would they wait are they worried about testing numbers or any of those things but really it's it's about the the no. journey and and having a guy in 2024 now is this it wouldn't affect Quentin Martin but would that be a t- if if this were to happen and they were able to get Quentin Martin is that another two running back class like Nick Singleton and Catron Allen? Because that that's a lot of talent at one position. Well, the one thing I would say too, um, as you're ta- you just mentioned testing numbers. Uh, Watson has a verified 11-1 as a sophomore for 100. So obviously he's got two years to improve on that. I mean, they they think that he could be a, a 10-8, you know, yeah. kind of guy, maybe a 10-7, which is great. I mean, anything sub 11 is good. 10-8, 10 you're very happy with those numbers. So that's what they kind of project to, the, to where he could be. Um, as far as Quinton Martin goes, I mean, yeah, Quinton Martin is being recruited as a running back, but just long-term, personally, I'm not sure if that's really where his best position would be. I mean, after going out there and watching him, 
you know, there, there's a part of me and talking to his coaches. I mean, there's part of me that really thinks maybe uh, defensively as a safety sort of, sort of some sort of a hybrid player would yeah. probably be where a ceiling is best, but, but he wants to be recruited as a running back. And that's where Penn State's going to recruit him wherever he wants to be recruited at. Uh, he's, he's that important of a player for them. So I, I don't think that this would impact them with, with Quentin Martin too much, but uh, I mean, either way, I feel like this is Quentin Martin's going to be a Penn State, Ohio State in the end. Right. And it, it's it's going to be that kind of a that kind of a recruitment. So we'll we'll see. Uh, but but they have a decision to make here, probably with Watson. Unless Watson decides, you know what, I am rushing this. I'm going to hold off, which maybe will happen. But as of this week, he wants to commit to Penn State, and he wants to commit soon. It's fascinating, and I think that uh, you you look at the building blocks of a of a class and all of the things we've talked about heading into the next season. This. Is, this is some of the stuff from this past fall that we haven't seen is the these early commitments from guys in 2024. But um, long road ahead, as you've said before, with Duke Watson. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, now that we're talking about where all the coaches are, where are all the coaches this week? (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, I've already kind of hit on the South Florida gang. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield's down there as well to check out on Edwin Joseph. You know, I think if anybody you follow Twitter, you, you may have seen Jaywon Sider's uh, tweet the other day. It's Sider, Dex, Terry, and Stubbs. They are all down in Florida. Um, Sider, Dex, Terry are all expected to check up on Daniel Harris. And then you have a couple games going on, too. St. Thomas Aquinas is still in the playoffs. Shaman Amadonna, home to Edwin Joseph, they're still in the playoffs. And then uh, who else is it? Um, excuse me, uh, Terry Smith is going to go out and see Elliot Washington, who is also still in the playoffs for Venice. So you're going to have a couple games tonight that they're going to hit on. Uh, they've already stopped by the schools by the time most of you guys are, are listening to this. But but Aquinas, you know, for Conrad and King Mac, that's going to be a that's going to be an important stop for them. You have Shamanad, of course, for Edwin Joseph, who at one point I was wondering, you know, is Penn State really going to push for Edwin? Because it just felt like at one point they could have had him, but they didn't really push the you know the gas and go all in. But, they, but he's certainly a take, and, and, and they are going to push for him now. I've, I've kind of learned more on that. Uh, and then, of course, you have Christopher Johnson down there, and you have Daniel Harris down there. So those are pretty much the four main schools, uh, Dillard, Gulliver Prep, um, Aquinas, and Chaminade uh, in the Miami area that they'll be at. And then, again, Terry Smith's going to go out to Venice to see Elliott Washington play a playoff game tonight. Terry was supposed to go see Elliott during the season, and Hurricane Ian came through right. and, and wrecked those plans 
So um, not that it matters because it's the contact period now, and he could consistently go each week anyway. But that that was a visit they had planned and and you know weren't able to do. So that's the Miami crew, the South Florida crew. Uh, as I mentioned, Mike Yurchis is also in Georgia. Uh, Duke Watson is who he's going to uh, check up on. But the main the main visit down there is Cameron Wallace, the young running back, of course, from Montgomery County. Uh, in uh, I think it's I think it's rural Georgia. I, I don't know exactly where it's at, but. Uh, you know, I know. I just know that's a real small school. So Cameron Wallace, of course, took an official visit to Penn State a few weeks ago. Uh, he is now expected to go to Washington State this evening. I wasn't able to to double check on whether he's going to make that, but I believe he's flying out to Washington State today for that official visit. Still trying to get a better feel. Florida State's going to offer. Florida State would be the school that challenges Penn State here, in my opinion, but they haven't officially offered him yet. And then, oh, by the way, there's another really important 2024 player in Georgia in Luke Cromenhoek, the Florida State, speaking of Florida State, uh, quarterback commit, who of course visited for the Minnesota game. So you're just, we'll check up on him as well. Um, I will leave, I'm trying to think, any others notables here? I'm going to leave the rest of the coaches out of the pod just because we, you know, we, we need to make sure that those who subscribe are getting information, um, you know, that, that others aren't. Uh, but there are, of course, some other notable visits uh, for the rest of the staff as well. But I do feel um, uh, comfortable in sharing the ones we have. So what is it, what are these, describe how these particular visits work. You, te- you talk about being the contact period. They can go talk mm-hmm. to the players themselves. It's not the bump rule. It's not talking to the coaches. They can actually discuss signing day and everything in detail with the players. And what, is the, what is the value then of these, uh, you know, these final pushes in terms of, you know, if a guy is committed, is it just FaceTime? What is the what is the value of these when it comes to the individual players? So they they are allowed to meet with twenty twenty three players in school and at home, and okay. and they both those visits will happen on the same day. So um, to, uh, to circle back a little bit further, assistant coaches can go visit these players once a week for the next three weeks. Then you have the dead period for the bowl games and the holidays. And then you can do it again in January if they're not signed. So they could do three in home visits. They can, they can actually do them when they're signed as well. Um, But it's just, you know, not, not quite as important once they're obviously signed. So uh, for example, like Terry Smith, for example, uh, and those guys down in Florida, like I'd be shocked if Terry Smith does not go see Daniel Harris every week until he is committed. Actually, and they're going to go see him after he's committed too, if he commits, because they got to keep him uh, lined up. And, you know, in previous years, I always was kind of like, yeah, these visits seem kind of like semantics, like why do you, they're committed, what's the big deal? That is not the case anymore with this NIL right. stuff, man. I mean, you better be on top of your stuff here uh, in this NIL era where all it takes is one phone conversation and a couple promises that may or may not be kept, and, and a player really has something to think about. So they're going to see every single one of their committed guys here over the coming days. I have no doubts about that. And then, of course, those guys that we've been talking about who aren't committed, uh, I would expect them to, to check out on them every week as well. The other thing I would say is James Franklin, between this contact period in December and then the other couple weeks in January, he's allowed to do check in with, with each of these guys one time between those two periods. So that's important to know. So, for example, he's going to do – I didn't share this earlier, but I'll share this. He's going to do Zion Tracy's family and uh, Ty Blanding's family tonight for in-home mm-hmm. visits. That'll be it for James. Now, the rest of the staff, John Scott can go up there. Stacey Collins can go up there in the coming weeks. Uh, head coaches can only do one in-home, in-school kind of combination day with these guys 
during um, this contact period. But it, it's 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 very important for the guys who aren't committed, right? Because you're going to have all the other coaches coming in. And yep. You, you got to keep showing your face, keep pushing your message. For the guys that are committed, you know, there's many of them who are signing with Penn State. There's nothing to worry about, but you still got to keep doing them. And then you other you got other guys like Conrad Hussey who are being pursued by Miami. Uh, that uh, are, you know, you, you better stay on top of it and uh, make sure other schools aren't stealing them away. And and the NIL, the problem talking about this with with you guys is that like speculation. None of this is public, but. Miami specifically, you talk about NIL and what uh, they've been able to do f- with the season they had and then being able to flip players from other schools r- repeatedly this year It is a real thing. It, 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 it hasn't affected Penn State as of yet, I don't think, in this particular, like from October on, I don't think. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it is something when you talk about like you've got to be on top of this stuff, this is the reason why, correct? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially now more than ever. And uh, until there's a salary cap or, or some sort of uh, rules that we're not thinking about right now, uh, this is this is an incredibly important period, maybe the most important period of the year, uh, just because if you got schools with money and they're desperate, you have no idea what's coming. I mean, I, I don't know the numbers on Collins Achapong, who Miami stole from Michigan. I've heard numbers. I don't know mm-hmm. those numbers, obviously. Uh but it's stupid money, guys. If if those, if those numbers are correct, so uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see what's uh, going to come here. But but Miami, Michigan State, the Texas A and M's, a bunch of other SEC schools. Which, by the way, that I, actually this is funny. There were three top twenty-five teams this year who started in the top twenty-five and weren't bowl eligible. Those three schools were the three I just listed: Michigan State, yep. Miami, Texas A and M. All who are just throwing crazy, stupid money around right now. I found that funny. Uh, I don't know what that means long term, yeah. but uh, you know those three are among the top five, six, seven or so that are that are playing this game, and uh, I just found that hilarious that they didn't finish bowl eligible. So that's all. And, it's a fun stat. And it, it's been interesting over the last week, you know, since the season has ended. I just casually following on Twitter some of our Twitter uh, our Twitter accounts, including on three on three recruits and on Instagram as well. So you want to check these out because they put out a graphic of every player that goes in the transfer portal. And like, I can't, I can't scroll 10 seconds without finding another Texas A&M player hitting the transfer portal. Like it's bananas. The amount of all of this stuff that's been going on and, you know, without any of the hard facts to talk about it, it's, it's just, it's all speculation, but it is fascinating to watch all of that happen um, in real time and, and then kind of go back and look at it. Not this weekend, but next weekend, official visits. That's the big weekend for the Nittany Lions that you and Fitz have been talking about. So do you have any updates on that or any other official visits for as, as Pensley tries to push into uh, the early signing period? Yeah, the only main visit or update this week is Kedrick Riscano. 2023 running back, formerly committed to Michigan State, ironically. Uh, that's the second time we've had that in this podcast. Um, talking about Florida <laughs> State earlier, now Michigan State. But, uh, yeah, he is set to visit December 9th to the 11th. I mean, right now, from what I've gathered, Cameron Wallace and Christopher Johnson are more realistic. Uh, Penn State expects to get Kedrick on campus, and maybe some things will shift around and change there. But the better relationships, uh, the better vibe I get from from talking to people are with Christopher Johnson and Cameron Wallace. I mean, Cameron Wallace is absolutely a player they should be able to get. I don't see any reason why Penn State shouldn't be able to get him. The only reason I don't see him in this class 
is if they get Christopher Johnson. And maybe mm-hmm. Kedrick Riscano will will things will change there. That visit will go great and and uh you know he'll he'll become a player I'm talking about a little bit more. But just right now, I think I think the focus remains on getting Christopher Johnson, who you will get his they will get his final official visit, and those are always important. And then, uh, of course, he has a really good relationship with Cider too, and that's important as well. And then, depending on what happens there, uh, you, you know, you have Cameron Wallace, who is another speedster, and you know he, he's had a late recruitment, a late rise. Uh, but you got those documented hundred meter times. You got a lot of things there that that you like, and and they would certainly be happy to get him. Um, it, it's it's class where you're going to take two running backs or get a portal. Like they're they're locked in to getting one of these guys. Is what you're saying? They have to, yeah. I mean, again, I, I, Kevon Lee, I don't think there's a decision that's been made yet, but he still has a decision to make. Devin yeah. Ford's gone. I mean, you have a potential situation right now where you only have uh, Nick and uh, Katron, excuse me, because uh, you, you have London Montgomery coming off an injury. Uh, yep. So you, you don't know how that's going to play out. So, yeah, they absolutely have to get another running back. I wouldn't even be completely shocked if – you know they got Cameron Wallace and one of these guys, and then if something fell to them in the portal, they would they would look at it as well. But but we got to remember the eighty five scholarship number uh, as well, and that's going to have a right. big impact on all of this. I mean, they only had what was it thirteen or fourteen scholarship guys on Senior Day, I believe it was. I mean, I, pretty much half that list was was walk on guys. So it's not like they have a massive outgoing senior class this year. Mm-hmm. So that you know just and again, if we're going to have uh, if we're going to see a twenty three player recruiting class you know those numbers have to be made up somewhere so important to keep in mind uh we'll we'll see who else goes into the portal but certainly there's going to be others i mean veyu is going to be far from the only one veyer excuse me veyer i've been calling veyu for five years leave me alone (laughs) it's uh it's been very quiet for penn state you know we talk about the the rush of players putting their name in before the portal opens on the fifth i believe is the right date uh, mm-hmm. But nothing from Penn State really so far, and that that as you point out is going to change. But it has been interesting that it's been pretty quiet for the Nittany Lions. Um, okay, so let's get to the thing that we haven't talked enough about on this show, and that is the college football playoff expansion. That news was announced, I believe, Wednesday night, and uh, or Thursday morning, and it is a massive shift in college football where now you're going to have a 12-team playoff, and it's not going to be in some distant future number that's like 2026 that feels like it's forever away. This is the after next football season. It's going to start. So um, ramifications for college football, where do you want to start with that? Uh, I think anyone who doesn't like it is being a hard-ass for no reason. I mean, this is a great... I think this is great for college football. And... I understand the arguments against it. I understand the, oh, it's going to kill the regular season. I think it's stupid. I, you know, I oh, it's going to kill the regular season. Oh, it's, go ahead. Go, T. Frank. Let me hear your argument, and I'll tell you why okay. you're wrong. So here's here's the point. I think uh, we're you're already wrong. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So, okay, great. The, uh, the college football regular season, every absolutely every single game matters. You cannot lose a game, which means it, your season is over in October. And then you got to play. You got to have a zombie season where teams and fans are checked out, and no one is really having fun outside of maybe, you know, a couple million people that follow four schools. You know how whatever millions that is, and then the rest of college football just has to accept that they are in some second class. Let me tell you, that's I watch the, every single NFL game, 
And okay. no, they all don't matter the same in terms of non-conference versus conference games. But the, the, I watch every single one of them with the same rapt attention. Just because I don't feel like there's a guillotine over my head doesn't mean it doesn't matter. And it allows you to play meaningful games late in the year and still have a level of joy about football. You know, I'm with Nate. This, this system has created a toxic place where fans feel like... Um, if you're not right. first, you're, saying, you're last. You're saying the same thing I'm saying. We're not on the opposite sides on this. Okay, I know. You came yeah, off yeah. as we were on the opposite sides. You're saying the exact same thing I'm, I'm arguing. So go ahead. I totally agree with everything <laughs> you're saying there. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was just I was just ranting because I, I think that that is okay. the most inane uh, conversation that is entirely based around your love of bowl games, which don't care like don't care about you. The idea of the tradition and all these things held up and propped up by the bowl games doesn't make any sense. Like, it's it's not a worthwhile endeavor for people to root for um, outside of maybe the Rose Bowl. Like, I feel like this whole thing, no one really cares about the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, or at least I'm maybe this is Big Ten bias. Of, well, you, I was just going to say, this is total Big Ten bias, <laughs> but go on. Right. Go on. Um, yeah, th there's, there's a couple of bowl games that have this level of uh importance and i would say and that's i guess my point is even in the new year six there's a hierarchy of games that probably matter more or less because traditionally over the last couple of years the the sec and their bowl games like they've been going to the college football playoff routinely and it, it and we're waiting we waited on the rose bowl to say okay we don't have to have 5 p.m on the first for our slot mm -hmm. so like we've just been holding on to these things that don't necessarily matter to the sport. They matter to the bowl games, which have been exhibitions throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, you know, the best Rose bowl of all time. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the best Rose bowl, in my opinion of all time was the national championship between USC and Texas. Okay. Yeah. It was the only time that Rose bowl wasn't at five o'clock, by the way. Or Eastern time. It was a night game. So the whole bullshit, excuse me, sorry my language, that's the second time I swear <laughs> The whole BS of, you know, we got to have the sunset and all that stuff. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, it's nice for TV and it looks good, but it's not going to impact the ratings or anything like that. I no. mean, people are still going to tune in for the Rose Bowl, which is why the Rose Bowl gave up on this. I mean, they had the power. They had the power. They didn't want to release the power. They knew that if they don't release the power, they're going to get cut out of this. And all of a sudden, the Citrus Bowl is going to be sitting there like, you know, Eureka, how did this happen? So, but, but look, I think the argument of like, oh, you know, look at this weekend, you know, the five, six, the seven arguments on who could get in, like that's going to go away. I, I see that all the time. And I think it's so stupid. If, you know, three weeks ago, uh, or I think it was, I think it was maybe going into November, there were like 30 some teams, maybe 30, I think it was like 33 or 34 teams that would have still been alive to yeah. make make a twelve team playoff going into November. I mean, how does that? How is that not exciting? Uh, you know, because because obviously, if you just win your conference championship, you're in, right? So pretty much yeah. in every in every P five conference, uh, you know, your, your top three your top three teams have everything to play for. You know, going into the final few weeks of the season. So I, I think there's a lot to like here. I, I still think that at the end of the day, you're going to have the top schools. And yes, I, the yep. the playoff should help with recruiting a little bit. But I still see George. I said it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. This is going to be George's decade, guys. George is going to win multiple national championships. They're going to win one this year, and they're going to win two or three more you know, in, in the coming years. So I, I don't see that changing. I still see you know, some of those powers being powers. But it should, it should also help Penn State 
uh, in their arguments with top level talent of, hey, you know, you, you don't have to go to Clemson. You don't have to go you know, to Ohio State or, or Michigan now uh, to, to make the playoffs. So that's important to know. But hey, look, look, more money's involved with this one. The, the only thing I don't really like is I, I do feel like and I understand why the Bulls are involved in this quarterfinals, but I, it is silly to me that if you finish in the top four and you get a bye week, you don't get a home game because I think yeah. of just the financial impact of that. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's inc- it's you know <laughs> the financially it's funny. Like if you're an athletic director, you almost kind of want your team to finish fifth instead of fourth because of the financial impact you'll get from from that home game. So how, there, there's how some much, silly things like that. Go ahead. How much? No, but that's that's one of the things I wanted to get to, um, which is the, an added home game and. At least, I'll say this, at least the advantage is going to be spread out over more teams now than four when it comes to being in the college football mm-hmm. playoff. But you are going to still have that condensation of talent in the top 12. Um, is it, is, You're going to have it in the top five. Let's clarify that. It's yeah. still not going to change recruiting as much as I think the argument can be made that it will. It will help. But it's, I'm telling you, it's still gonna, you're still going to have a five, six, seven teams like you do right now that are going to get the majority of the talent. Sorry to cut you but off. Does it, but does it open up the door for teams to have mobility to that maybe five spot, even if the top four are in, or to get into 12, you know, if you routinely make the playoff? And um, the, the financial part of that, of having a home game, how much is that? Is that just a drop in the bucket considering the, the no. TV money? Or is that a value that no. it's going to be another economically competitive advantage for the top 12 teams that you're getting home games and you're playing on TV more and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the financials of, you know, what what the home team would get, you know, from the TV contract, things like that. I haven't read on that. I'm just thinking of the town of State College. No, that's you what know, I'm... You, you yeah. have a playoff game. I mean, I don't know how all those businesses and all those other... Uh, you know, hotels and whatnot will benefit. I'm sure Penn State as a school is going to benefit. I'm sure they'll get probably tens of millions uh, and to some degree uh, from benefiting from having a home game there. But uh, I, I don't I don't know the the specific numbers or anything like that. The only other thing I was wondering is what happens when the Pac-12 implodes? Because it's the top six uh, conferences. The <laughs> They're just well, going to the Big Ten. Right. But like so it, the seating goes by conference, six they conference championships. That. Right. Okay. Then it, fine. Then then I'm sorry to cut you off. I've done that twice now. Uh, AAC. You know, it's 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 a good question, and maybe they can change the way that's written. But I mean, the, the best yeah, Washington, Oregon, maybe Stanford, Cal. I still think Stanford, Cal have more power than people think. Uh, they make a lot of sense, and then the other schools go to the Big Twelve. And and sure, I know what you're saying. You know, you have those six highest seeds. Maybe they they can drop it to five and add an at large, something like that. But it is only a matter of time until it implodes. I do agree with that. Yeah, and and the formatting doesn't matter. I guess I'm just. It's interesting that we're making these rules for six conferences when you know in the next two years it might only be five that actually mm-hmm. matter. So it's just it's fascinating how quickly these things are changing, even in the preemptive change. Um, an estimated 450 million dollars in added revenue, and I love the way this was phrased in an article that I read. It was uh, 450 million dollars in added revenue for ESPN the college football playoff committee, and then the schools. So the, mm-hmm. the teams that are doing these things are third on the list of who benefits from this, which is always super interesting. Um, and but that's I just, for the, just to clarify, too, that's just for these two years because the contract is totally redone in 2026. And when the contract's redone in 2026, Fox is absolutely joining this mix here. So yeah. more money is going to come into it in 2026. I mean, it was, it was made very clear that, like, hey, ESPN, you'll get 2025 and 20. 
2024-2025 to all to yourself because that's the way the contract was written and everybody had to agree and all that. Uh, but come 2026, this is going to be, again, Fox is going to have four games. You know, ESPN might have six, something like that. But it, it's they're, they're going to share this, no doubt. When it comes to the Penn State-specific issues um, with this, does this put more pressure on Penn State and other schools, not just Penn State, other schools, to update and renovate their home stadiums, given you're now playing more games, playing longer? I know the, the winterizing thing is always a conversation. No. But, like, does this, does this do anything to that? And now that you're – the national spotlight is on you, not – I don't, I don't even know if that's a fair way they to put need, it, but just they need to update Deaver Stadium. I mean, Deaver yeah. Stadium. I was sitting next to, <laughs> I was sitting next to a guy last week from the Peach Bowl, and he was like, "Wait, when's the last time Penn State updated their press box? Like he's never been up here before." <laughs> he was like absolutely shocked going into that press box. We were, we were talking, you know, second second and third quarter. You know, we, we we became close, but I mean, they have to do those things, no doubt. But look, the absolute yeah. focus right now is nil. They have yeah. to get all the nil stuff figured out before anything else could get figured out. I mean, that's why I don't think Beaver Stadium is ever going to be updated. But uh, I mean, it's yeah, there, there's things that they need to do. But the facilities have have caught up, and that's good. And there's still work to do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but but I guess but it's just one. It's, all it's just one more game, right? It's not like it's anything that is going to be. Yeah transformative in terms of no. the na- the nation is it's not the super bowl the nation isn't descending on happy valley that's going to put even more pressure no. it's just another game is is kind of what and i'm that's asking here only if you finish between five and eight and if you finish right. on the bottom four of those or you finish in the top four of those you don't get that home game so now nothing like that but uh it's a good thing for college football though i i, I just i find the argument that it'll kill the regular season i just find that that's silly it's not going to kill yeah. the regular season yeah, I, I've, I've hated that conversation, that argument that for a while now, but like the last couple of years, it feels like this has worn on people to the point that they don't like football anymore. There's there's there's, there's the most yeah. passionate fan base uh, part of the fan base feels like the the loss factor is greater than the enjoyment when it comes to the super fans. And I don't know if that's always been the case, but that definitely feels like it. The last couple of seasons have have done that to. Maybe it's just the Penn State fans coming out of the COVID pandemic and seven and six and all that stuff. Yeah, just traditionalist, though. I mean, I just you got all the money, you got the portal. There's a lot of things that don't people don't like, you know. But this is this is 2022 college football, and nothing's going to change. So we got to do some housekeeping before we get going, and we we got to get going soon. But uh, I want to make sure that we get Ryan his uh, laurels for the end of the season because he did a great job on. I think this is going to be one of the best seasons Toledo's ever had. Uh, we'll do the official play will be minus seven and a half first half. Degenerate in me sometimes watches a little Hawaii, you know. Uh, Stanford, I'll, I'll, I'll play 12 with Stanford. Vanderbilt stinks. I had them last week against Notre Dame. That was a winner. Ryan Snyder, a second-half team. After starting under 500, he comes storming back. And uh, did I get this on the ticker right? Did it update? It doesn't look like the right record. No, 29, no. 25, <laughs> and 1. Look, so here, here's what I'll say. First off, T. Frank's intro was better than my record this year. My record last year was better. Uh, 29, 25. Okay. I, we're plus 500. I expect it to be better than that. All-time. I still like my all-time stats, 70 and 54. So I'm yeah. happy with those. Uh, I am mad at myself. I should have. 
So last week, if you listened, I said, because I, I knew Friday games were going on and you weren't going to be able to listen to this, but I, I said play Tulane, play Missouri. I, I wanted to throw those in there anyway just because I, I really felt good about those two games. And, of course, those two won. So I feel like I really went five and three last week, but we can't count them. So we'll, we'll just say it was three. You're too three honest. We finished we finished with 500 records the last couple of weeks of the season, which I, I was hoping I'd finish stronger because uh, usually I've always done pretty well in November. But 29, 25, yeah, we we, we you know we finished higher than uh, you know we I guess we won a little bit. What did we win? Like yeah. 20 bucks maybe? I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. And uh, 70 and 54 all time. I still feel good about that 70 and 54 number. I I, I like that. All I'm saying is it was looking pretty bleak in October, and you turned it around. We so did. I just wanted to give yeah. you wanted to give you some credit for finishing the season it. strong. Um, we're not doing best bets this weekend. Are we coming back for the bowl games? Do you want to do best yeah, bets? Yeah, we the can bowl do something. Games? I mean, okay. I mean, I don't know if I want to put it as my record though, because I don't know who's not going to play <laughs> in the bowl games. You know what right. I mean? Like that's the hardest thing. But we can certainly do a podcast maybe uh, a couple days out from maybe like a day or two after Christmas, right? Like when you have yeah. Those, constant three four games a day something like that we'll do something but we should here, get here's Greg I, and we'll do the full podcast and just talk about what you guys like because you guys know yeah you. and by the way if yeah. you're watching here on youtube this is just the conference championship weekend i uh, put the schedule up if you are interested in any of this stuff um just so you have you know what's coming up but uh yeah no best bets this week on these games just giving you the rundown to know what's coming up and and uh mm-hmm. who's playing who because i get confused this time of year with when the games are and who's playing yeah, I mean, there's there's just not a lot I like this week. If I'm if I'm being honest, like I tried to look at some things. I, I would say that I, I definitely like Utah over USC, uh, but I've been betting against USC all year, and here they are with one <laughs> loss. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know. Now don't be wrong, a lot of those were point spreads, and we did cover some of them. But uh, yeah, you know, I've I've just I've been in this boat all year of USC's defense is going to kill themselves, and and they haven't really done that too much this year. So no big deal. Uh, but I, I do if I if there's a game I like this week, it is certainly Utah getting points against USC. Uh, I would love to get three. It's at two and a half right now. But uh, you know the the when I just look at some of the other games, just real quick, I'll rattle them off. I mean LSU. I I, I would like getting the points in a lot of these games, right? But LSU LSU is actually one I wouldn't touch. But Purdue, like I would kind of like getting seventeen just because Purdue's a throwing team, right? Like they yeah. can backdoor that. You know, it, I can see Michigan absolutely going up 20, letting their foot off the gas and, you know, midway through the fourth quarter and Purdue getting a backdoor. So I would maybe take plus 17. Uh, I, I do. I also do kind of lean towards US, US, UCF, excuse me, uh, getting four against Tulane. Uh, I've been saying for the longest time, if Penn State wants to the Cotton Bowl, I don't think it'd actually be Tulane. I thought it would be UCF. Uh, so maybe take the plus four there. But other than that, just enjoy watching college football this week. I mean, there's part of me that likes Kansas State as well. If you, I would say if you got Kansas State plus three, I'm interested in that. But I, I think that line's going to stay at two and a half. I'm going to stop you before you make any uh, accidental official plays because I can tell you're getting worked <laughs> up looking at them. So. All right, sign into the DraftKings account. There we go. No, I'm kidding. Now, there's just not a lot to like. Go ahead. That'll do for the BWI Daily Edition uh, this week. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. No postgame show. I don't know what to do with my weekend now. Uh, I Yes, I do. I, I'll look my wife in the face for the first time in three months and tell her I love her and uh, she won't be mad that I'm working 17 hours uh, on Saturday but anyway we'll be back on Monday with a recap of everything and how it shakes out for Penn State make sure you subscribe to all the places and all the things I'm Thomas Frank Carr we'll talk to you on Monday